0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network,
1: brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a
2: no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line podcast network.
1: The way that's on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Shut
2: there. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team.
1: We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable. Also a two time Dan Lemetard Show SUI winner and a <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spade. And we are happy
2: to be joined by Martrell Spate, Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome in to episode number 186 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast live. From the Hyman Services studios, I am your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes, and we thank you, as always, for joining us. If you're a first-time listener and you haven't subscribed, be sure and hit that button on whatever form you're listening to. That way... You are notified whenever we release an episode if you could also be so kind to leave us a written review, help us get our name out there, and continue to reach more people. We're going to discuss plenty of news from this week. Softball walked it off against UCA on Wednesday night, 7-6. to 6. Guess who? Braxton Burdenside coming through in the clutch as she has all season plus. They have two more top 20 matchups to close the regular season. We're going to get into the names, likeness, and image bill. Touch on that a little bit the past Wednesday signed by Governor Hutchinson and some transfer news. And finally, in the final segment, Kevin's going to talk with baseball, talk some baseball with GameCockCentral.com's Colin Taylor about the series with South Carolina. But as always, want to remind you the show was brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. The NBA, NHL, and now MLB are rolling in Bet Online, as you covered. For all the news, scores, and odds, plus the best part, it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% on your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online your online sportsbook experts. And, Porter, I had to kind of pinch myself this week because we've had all this great weather for the most part, a little rain mixed in here and there, but I hadn't been able to decide if it's winter or spring this whole entire week.
1: Yeah, that's that's Arkansas weather for you. <laughs> uh, every time at work, I don't know whether to carry uh, swim trunks or uh, parka or, or, you know, snowshoes. I, I don't know because my buddies in northwest Arkansas had got two inches of snow and I'm outside playing the front yard, and it's 74. So you, you just, I guess that's why they call her Mother Nature. She never knows what she's going to make up her mind with.
2: Yeah, and Arkansas weather is very funny. And, and Texas weather was the same way. I think that we get a lot of that in the south. You Kind of depending on who you talk to from various states throughout, that they all say the same thing, that it's just pretty bipolar, particularly in the spring but I was talking to, so my day job uh, in lumber sales that I do. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's an interesting time in the lumber business right now to say the least. But I was talking to a, a customer from Kansas city and one from Fayetteville on Tuesday or Monday, something like that. And they were talking about how it was snowing and I'm looking out the window and yeah, it's like in the sixties and sunny down there, down here in the Washtenaw mountains, literally in the bottom is where my office is right along the cattle, the Caddo river. And so uh, yeah, it's 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 been quite interesting. Um, I didn't think that we were going to have these temperatures as we get into May here, as we're in the the final week of, of April, but. That's just kind of the way it goes. But, guys, it's not going to last forever. We are also sponsored. Uh, One of the the new ones that we have is Monster Monster Bass. I can't talk today. They have the best new baits from the industry's top brands at affordable prices delivered to your door each month. They handpick the best baits based on where you live and fish, along with providing the top-level customer service you deserve. So head over to MonsterBass.com and use code HOG10 to get $10 off your first box. That's MonsterBass.com. Promo code HOG ten H A W G ten. So those those uh, temperatures will not last forever, guys. We're getting some relief on Sunday and Monday as we get into the 80s next week. So we'll get right into it, Porter. Uh, something that was really big over this week on Wednesday, uh, the House Bill 1671, which uh, basically means that players can use their name, likeness, and image and make money off of that. That was signed into law and will become effective in Arkansas. It was the 11th state. Arkansas was, and it will become effective as of New Year's Day, 2022. The House approved this to move to the Senate about three weeks ago. And as I mentioned just a second ago, Governor Governor Hutchinson signed that into law on Wednesday. And so, Porter, as we all know, this could be a 10-part podcast series, maybe even more, just talking about the whole pay-for-play situation. There's a bunch of different branches of this tree and have been debated since really the beginning of athletics and I'll start it off by saying, as is, is I've told you guys, I've said it uh, very publicly for years that I do not have a problem with players making money off of their jersey or off of a video game or something like that. Now, I do not support just straight up paying them like they're, like they're for pay- paychecks. I, I don't support that at all. I don't think that that's effective. I think that it's going to extremely hurt the game if it does eventually get to that level, which it probably will sometime in the, I don't think the near future, but at some point. But I think that this is a good thing, but on the flip side, I also think, you know, I try to look at both sides of every single situation, and I think about today's world in college athletics, the way that we have the transfer portals, because people, usually that happens because they don't get along with the coach, they don't get enough playing time, those are typically the two top reasons that we usually hear of, so... One of my biggest concerns, and I'll let you, I know that we've kind of seen differently on this subject in some ways, I'll let you go, but I I think that the biggest concern for me is that I'm going to be really watching for. Right now, players get jealous over playing time. Well, once you get into this making money off your likeness and image, is it going to be, well, he's stealing minutes from me, he's stealing playing time on the football field from me, the baseball mound, whatever it is, and also now he's stealing money from me. He or she
1: is stealing money from me. Well, I think we're already seeing that with the transfer portal. I mean, kids, they, they think they're starting spot or they go into a spring practice and realize that, you know, hey, you're not going to play next year, so they just jump. And especially with the one-time transfer portal, you know, you get to go to any school you want to. My biggest thing is it, if this was 20, 30 years ago when the NCAA wasn't this big billion-dollar corporation, we're, we're going to get teams – we're going to give them TV money. We're going to give them – you've got coaches. Look at Jimbo Fisher. Got 75, $75 million at Texas A&M because of what Jameis Winston got him in a national championship at Florida State. I mean, it goes both ways. So you can't ask these kids to basically play for free. And I know they've got a little stipend and stuff, but they're not really allowed to go out and get a full-time job because – you're in class, you're in work study, you're in study hall, you're an individual. There's so much that goes into what these kids go through on a day-to-day basis. You only see them on Saturdays or, or Wednesdays and Saturdays, depending on what sports you play. But this is a 365 day a year job. And then people want to say, well, you're getting a free education. So let's take four years Forty what? What forty five thousand? So 180,000 for four years. You divide that by four, and what was that? It was ninety. So ninety thousand. Uh, okay. So you so take it. A, take one fifty. Say take one hundred fifty thousand dollars scholarship, and you divide that by four years. What What does that get you a year? Money wise,
2: uh, what was one hundred fifty uh, divided by yeah.
1: four? So thirty seven five. Right. so so you're getting, you're you're working full time for a thirty seven thousand dollar a year job, and you're putting all you, that. That's like you having a full time job, and you put all your money back in that college education. That's basically what it comes down to. Yeah, they're getting a college education, but they're working full year for thirty seven thousand dollars a year, which is you know a normal sized job in Arkansas. So I mean, I think they need to get able to get something, and I think with social media and, and them getting to market clothing, you know, they're not going to a car dealership and guys going to hand them twenty thousand in, in an envelope, or like Tennessee, they're going to go work at McDonald's and get you know ten k in a Happy Meal. Yeah, <laughs> they're actually going to be marketing stuff and using their you know popularity and their social media following to to get money. And I think they deserve it.
2: Yeah, I do think that they deserve that. I, I will say that I don't see a problem. Like, let's say during a, during the summertime, if a kid wants to go and do some uh, radio promotions on on a radio show or a podcast or whatever, I don't see them making. I don't see a problem with them making money off that. I certainly don't see any problem with them making money off of a video game, anything like that. So, with how the, tied the NCAA has been, of course, nothing that the NCAA does really even makes any sense it's it's like they'll do something that you're kind of like okay that was a given and then they'll do something else turn right back around and do the complete opposite and so i certainly do have an un- understanding from the standpoint of look i didn't play college athletics i know a lot of people who did but i do understand that literally you're essentially doing nothing but schoolwork and that sport basically all day every day minus when you're sleeping which is you don't even get to sleep that much and so I do think that these kids should have other opportunities, where the NCAA should kind of, you know, back off. Actually, I say a little bit, but quite a bit, to where they can be able to do these things, like I said, like the radio promotional[s]. Even if it is, even if it is signing autographs, like that kind of stuff. Like Johnny Manziel got in trouble for. I think that was one of the many things in, in his sophomore season that he got suspended in game one for the first half for he was like giving out autographs and making a couple thousand off of that, like that kind of stuff. If you earn it. And people want to get signatures, stuff that you sign and make money off of that. If you're able to do that, then I don't see a problem with it. I mean, if, if here's the way I look at it is, you know, that old argument is you should, if you can go over war and fight for this country, you should be able to, to have a beer at 18 years old. That's been the argument against the drinking age for all these years. And that's kind of the way that I look at it. And if you're an adult and you're a college kid and you have a chance to make money off of something that you own your name, your likeness, then yeah, I don't have a problem with that. It's just, my thing is, is, this opening up waters. Is, is, are you treading into bigger waters to what this could possibly lead to where it may lead into problems down the road? Now, there's plenty of debates about that, but I do think that this is a step in the right direction for the NCAA to get a little bit less involved and give these kids the opportunity to, again, make money off their likeness and their image like they should be able to do.
1: Well, and if we think the NCAA is going to stay out of it more, we, we've got another thing coming. It's like, why do you think that they had such a problem with somebody making a $1,000 off their autograph? Because they couldn't tax it. The NCAA couldn't get anything from it. The university couldn't get nothing. The IRS couldn't get a little piece of a pie. Why do you think the NCAA is now saying, oh, we'll, we'll announce this bill and we'll let the players get name, image, and likeness and pass the state bill? Because now you've got to show proof. Of what you got paid. You've got to show proof of how much you got for this car dealership intro or radio personality. And these kids think that, and this is the one kind of catch 22 that these kids are going to realize is the real world. They think that they're going to go get five grand from so-and-so and not have to pay the IRS. That's where it's going to get tricky. Because when IRS comes knocking and you got all this cash and then you get a 1099 at the end of the year for name, image and likeness from the NCAA or whoever's going to write that down. I don't know if it's state or national or NCAA. They're going to realize that it's not going to be all cracked up to be when you got to give 47 percent of that back to the taxes.
2: Yeah. And you know what? You just brought up a really, really good point about the NCAA not backing off because maybe this, I I say that they're giving them more freedom in terms of able to go out and do this. But like you said, they could possibly mean that they're right under a microscope even more because they're going to be watched. Like they're going to be monitored on, you know, exactly what they do because there is certain rules to an extent. And so, that, that's, again, too, is it going to become more problems than it's worth? Are these kids just going to get burned out because there's going to be all these certain stipulations and all this? Now, it, a lot of this remains to be seen because we're not going to really see the effect of this for a lot of schools, at least until we get into 2022. So there's a lot of things to test on this. And again, this is something that's been talked about for years and years and years. And so I definitely think that as we get further and further into this, just like anything, we're going to figure out more as we go along. But I, again, I mean, I go back to, I do think that this is a step in the right direction because this is something that it, I, I actually, I think that we see a little bit more on this than we did before, because I feel like you and I talked this about, about this maybe a year ago and I've kind of come around, I used to be one of those people that really didn't look into this and I just said, oh, free education's enough, not really understanding what some of the, especially these kids that come from nothing, the ones that all they have really to get, to make them anything of themselves in life. Is this college scholarship? It's not like their parents can help them out. It's not like they hardly have anything. And I understand that people, plenty of times, you look throughout history, have made it work, playing athletics, getting a job. But not everybody has that opportunity. And so, you you know, I thought that was that was a great point again, Porter, that you brought up was just that yes, they're giving them more leniency, but are they? But just because they are able to do this, but are they really? That's going to be extremely interesting to see how all of that plays out.
1: Yeah, it's almost like the NCAA has got a bag of money in a box with a stick on it waiting for you to grab it, and then they snatch it, you know, catch it. But the story that always stuck out with me is when you watch the Fab Five documentary and Chris Webber was walking by this department store and he looked in the window and seen his jersey, and this is back in the 90s, early 90s, seeing his Nike jersey with $70 on it. And $70 back in the 90s, that was a lot. So when it comes to all that and we're looking at the NCAA football game and how it's cool that you're on this game, and we as kids think, well, man, that's just so cool just to be on or you should just be happy to be on this cover. But then you realize the older you get, man, EA Sports just made millions of dollars because your picture was on that game. And also back in the day when the pros – like when you used to get those cards the baseball cards out of the cereal boxes they didn't have a, a their name and logo on it it just had a blank jersey a generic jersey and their name on the card they didn't have their team's logo well you know it goes back to
2: Go ahead. Well, I was going to say you you talked about the seeing the jersey in, in the window. That's how NCAA got caught with their stuff. Not really caught, but called out. Ed O'Bannon was playing of yeah. like NCAA basketball, or I think it was called like uh, NCAA March oh, Madness. Yeah, that was the like, yeah. yeah. And then the MVP baseball was the college game that was I think oh five and 06. That was a really fun one too. I won a lot of national championships with UALR on that one, but. Ed Obannon was playing NCAA with like his son or something and he, and they were playing like the a replay of the 95 National Championship with Arkansas and and uh, UCLA and he's like wait a second this is me this like why is why am i on here why does this guy looks exactly like me on here and i'm not i know nothing about this i'm not making anything off this and i remember the first time i ever played NCAA in like 01 or 02 you remember Porter back on those games, they'd have like QB number two, QB or running back number four, whatever. And I always thought about that even as a like an 11, 12, 13 year old kid. Like, are these, yes, they look exactly like uh, I remember Cedric Cobbs, Matt Jones, some of the first guys when I used to play with Arkansas. And I would think that maybe at some point that that kind of it might end up coming back to bite them or this might be some sort of fiasco. And it sure enough did. And, here we are going to be at what was it going to be like nine years removed from the time that the game ended until it starts
1: back up again. Well, it actually got released in thirteen, right? Because yes, it yeah, it got the-
2: released thirteen. I remember Bielema's first season was the last year that we had, so NCAA fourteen since it went into the next school. Like always, there was always a year ahead uh, from when it had come out.
1: Well, and I got I got to give props to Arkansas because Arkansas is already they're the only university to already have a full department that's ready to handle all this. Um, So, you know, they're ahead of the game. They've got people hired in just to handle these, like, liaisons to help these kids out. And Musselman's showing his full support for this. But with the NCAA game, it's, yeah, Ed O'Bannon's looking like, man, why didn't I get money off of this? But you think there's, what, thousands of players on these games that you're going to have to give money to. And when it all comes down to it, well, you get two thousand dollars off of it, maybe, unless you're the cover guy. So you really wouldn't have got that much money off of it. And that's where these people are going to realize this stem because everybody wants the NCAA f- football back. And it's crazy, but that if you talk about NCAA football game, you're like, all right, let, let's pay these players so we can get our video game back. Just how it is. Are you
2: one of the millions of Americans who suffers from anxiety, feelings of worry, or just dread beginning a new week? Sunday Scaries products are here to help you stay chill and mellow. Visit sundayscaries.com to check out the vitamin-boosted gummies, hemp oils, and much more. There is no risk to buy, and the company offers a 100% lifetime money-back guarantee, meaning if the product is not for you, you'll get your money back. Again, it's sundayscaries.com and use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-V-E. EAV for 25% off Sundayscaries.com. Promo code BELIEVE B L E A V. Make your outdoor experiences even better with Canon sunglasses. Their Japanese optics make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger, plus the Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code KANONCAST15 at KANON.com to receive 15% off of your first pair. That's K A E O N. CAST 15 Canon clearly better. So we got some news out of the transfer portal as everybody knows by now Mike Woods the number 2 receiver for the Razorbacks surprisingly announced on Tuesday that he was transferring now it wasn't surprising by the time that it happened the rumors really began to swirl on Monday there was a uh, a Twitter account that always tends to be right. I'm I'm still wondering if we will ever know who runs that because they are certainly rolling sevens right now, batting a 1,000, just have not been wrong on a single thing that they have ever predicted. But, uh, indeed, Mike Woods did transfer along with Enoch Jackson, defensive tackle out of Mansfield Legacy High School in Texas. Uh, that happened on Wednesday. So two guys this week left the Razorback football program. You know, Porter, that's going to happen this time of year. Um, just after the spring game guys don't get the amount of reps that they want maybe some things don't go the way that they had planned that's just the way it is and also too we're still this is year two of Sam Pittman and a lot of these guys like Enoch Jackson was certainly one of Chad's guys I'm not really sure that had anything to do with his transfer or even Mike Woods of course that if there was anybody that's left on this roster it was a Chad Morris guy Woods was committed to SMU before he before he ended up coming over to Arkansas. He's been on campus since, I think, fall of 2017 or at least the beginning of 2018, before he even got into college. He went through the first spring spring game under Chad and also, of course, was really close with uh, Justin Stepp, now at South Carolina. And so there, there's a lot of rumors swirling around with this Mike Wood stuff, and I'm not so sure how much I really believe, the main one being that he got into it with Kenny Guyton. Look, we – maybe we'll never know the full story, but I'm starting to gather Porter that it was really more so a fact that there were some things that he was just not taking care of off the field, maybe being a knucklehead here and there. We had seen that on the field a couple of times. I almost feel like that this was just maybe a mutual decision that it was just best to part ways.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that go in this. And my biggest deal, it was the spring game. You know, you lay out your plan, but, This is tricky because he had a good spring game. He was one of the top performers. He's one of the top receivers returning. So that's where it gets puzzling on why he left when he did, unless they just told him, hey, look, we got some guys coming in. This is where you fit in. And if he was wanting to be the number one guy and he was going to be the third receiver, you know, we don't know. Um, The receivers coach, Guyton, That's a new position coach. You know, this is the first year with him, and we don't know how his style is. On He wants these guys to run routes and all that stuff. I'm not saying that just because they didn't blow up and have this big discussion in the locker room or fight doesn't mean that they didn't sit there and have a disagreement on stuff. I mean, you can have a disagreement and have a difference of opinion on what you expect and what they expect out of you opposed to everybody wants to run with it. My biggest deal is this. Fans, we got to stop ridiculing these kids when they want to leave. But when a transfer comes in, you're already following them on Twitter. You hear their name at teams they're looking at. Oh, come be a hog. Come be a hog. But then they see how you treat the people walking out and and just like you're throwing stones. We got to get away from that. Let these kids live out their lives. If it's a bad decision, it's their bad decision. Who cares? You know, we can't sit there and judge them on who, what, when, why, and where. That's their life. It's how they want to do it. If the guy wants to get up and leave and go to another spot, let him go to the spot. Because do you want him to go to that spot or be stuck here and play for a team that he don't want to play for and, and never sees the field anyway? Because, you know, he's unhappy. He's not happy with what he's doing. So we just got to get off of him. Stop tweeting at him. Stop doing encrypted messages and being snarky, you know, not mentioning his names and all oh, he quit on the team. But yet when somebody comes in, you're not calling that guy from Florida State. Oh, he quit on Florida State. And now he's coming to Arkansas. It goes both ways. You can't sit there and do that. And that's the thing. That's my biggest pet peeve when it comes to all this is we're so quick to welcome with open arms. But if they go to another school, you're quick to just shove them out the door and say, well, you were never good anyway.
2: Yeah, and I had to give you some applause there uh, because, I, yeah, we we cannot just preach that story enough. And also, too, on the flip side, all these people saying that we should fire Kenny Guyton, go ahead and take back his contract, and you don't even know what happened. <laughs> like wait. Yeah. We're just so just so quick on everything because you hear something on Hogville or because you hear something on Twitter because someone steals something off of premium content. That's just consistently what we tend to do, and, and we just follow the trends. And and that was the biggest rumor, like we had said, was that uh, that was what it all started with. He got in a fight with Kenny Guyton, and we don't even know that that was the case. Now, I definitely think that there was probably a, maybe a disagreement or so involved but this whole argument that Mike Woods is soft, I just can't buy into. I don't see how you deal with the two seasons. He went through the two worst seasons in his freshman and sophomore year, the worst seasons in program history, stuck it out with this new staff and had a dang good year last year. I don't now look, I, I'm not sure what happened. Maybe, maybe there was a case of he feels over he feels undershadowed to uh, Traylon Burks. Maybe he doesn't like the quarterback play. I'm not saying that that's the case. I don't think that's the case, but maybe it is. Who knows? But Porter, you hit the nail right on the head. We just make all these – whether it be Blaine Toll, whether it be Enoch Jackson, whether it be Mike Woods or anybody else that's transferred, it really doesn't matter the reason. Whenever you leave a job – and I'm not going to get into this whole thing, but whenever you leave a job, people probably don't hound you because you're you're cutting their throat or you're stabbing them in the back – they're doing things for themselves. They're doing things that they feel is better for their lives. And that's really what it boils down to. And so you just, uh, yeah, we just both went on a tangent there, but I think it's just, it's, well, you know, it's
1: funny. We just basically described the Desi Seals story in a football term, you know, the similarities of what you were talking about. If he was happy, he went through this, he was projected to be a starter, just like Desi was going to be a starter next year. And he might not have got the role that he wanted. And that, that could be it. I fully and I'm not well,
2: and I'm sorry to cut you off there. I, I got to say though, I fully support Desi for making the decision. But I'll tell you what, he's kind of it's getting old, uh, like a broken record. Just him continuously throwing shade at Moss or the. I, I have not seen him throw shade at the fan base or anything like that. But this consistent, like, coaches not letting players be players, and all these little cryptic tweets, like. That's kind of getting annoying. I will say that much. Now, I fully support him going to Auburn if that's what he wants to do. If he wants to go play for Bruce Pearl and all those guys, that's fine. Fully support it. But, I, I, man, I, I am getting I'm, I'm getting pretty tired of, of these continuous cryptic things from him. It's been at least close to a handful by now.
1: Yeah, and that's what happens when you, you give kids social media. You the mature ones handle it you know, the right way. And the guys that are, just you know, they're they're young, they're going to make mistakes. And like I said, let him do that. And if it annoys you, that's fine. But also back, back to the news and news side of it, you know, when, when you hear it from Biddy or Hutch or borderline, you know, all the top guys that you hear the sources from Danny West, then I will listen You know, but when we hear all these stories and people just want to spin stuff around, it's like the telephone game. It might start out as, well, we just had a choice of disagreement of words, but by the time it gets to the message boards, it's this whole blown out deal. So if it is a personal situation, I'm not speaking on it until I find out from a reliable source inside the program who covers it on a daily basis what happened. And then I'm just going to share it that's not my right to speak on personal problems between one man and another man that's not my business I mean I'll like share retweet or whatever but to talk about a situation I, I just don't feel like it's my place to do that
2: yeah that's fair yeah and that's the thing too is as uh, you know whatever goes on in a in a locker room that's it's just kind of like when I went off on Peyton Hills this summer not that my opinion mattered I know he didn't hear it and he doesn't care um, you know, whatever happened with him and Houston nut or him or any of the players, that's their business. Uh, and I, I, just, I, I just wish, because look, I, I love Desi. I, I really do respect him. I respect that the player that he is. I think he's, uh, you know, I, I use this term a lot. I, I say this about a lot of athletes. I think they're good kids. Cause I do think that the majority of these kids are, 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 you know, respectful and they play very hard. And that's the exactly, that's him to a T he's as tough as they come. But, Exactly. I, I, yeah, and I and I I'll, I'll say that I'll say enough good things about him all day, but I just hope really from this point forward. And look, he can do whatever he wants on his social media. He's a grown man, but I just hope from this day forward that he can focus on Auburn. We can focus on Arkansas, and we can all move forward. And then, uh, you know, whenever I, I I don't know, you know where whether or not uh, we're going to play Auburn twice next year, or you know whether it's going to be one game and we play there, wherever we play, we're going to play them, and Desi will get a chance to play the Razorbacks, and you know that's going to be a heated game. There's no question about that.
1: That's um, cool. You know, that's another thing. Like, that's the fans. Sure. I mean, as he knows that coming in. And that's a, the other aspect of it. You you know, making that decision that when you come into Bud Walton Arena, they're going to boot you every time you touch the ball. You know, that, that as long as you're not throwing out derogatory comments to him or talking about his family or, yeah. or personal jabs. It's all fun and games when I mean when it comes into it, you know. So yeah, he's going to catch it when he comes into Bud Walton Arena, but that's expected, and he should know that when he comes to Bud Walton Arena.
2: And some more college basketball transfer news from Auburn. Coincidentally, Auburn signee who signed in November, Trey Alexander, the number fifteen ranked shooting guard in the country, top player from Oklahoma in 2021, announces he wants to reopen his recruitment. Now Auburn still does have to release him from his scholarship. You would expect that that would happen, but he—he's uh, a big target for for Arkansas. I know that I don't know if they're going to really re-recruit him now that they've put together some guys from the transfer portal. I'm not really sure what that situation is like, but Trey Alexander, shooting guard out of Oklahoma, definitely someone to look after. Right now, it seems to be that Oklahoma State is the overwhelming favorite based on some of the things that you see on social media. But but Trey Alexander will be a name to watch and softball porter again talking about it from the opening arkansas walked it off on wednesday night against uca braxton burnside just no question the SEC player of the year, but I'm sure that they'll find a way to screw that up as they do. She walked it off in the eighth inning. This weekend, they will play her former team. They welcome Mizzou to Bogle Park. Next week, they'll finish up the regular season in Baton Rouge against LSU, both of these games being top 20 matchups. And Porter, they have been the SEC's hottest team essentially all year, both softball and baseball. And they have some good competition here to get prepped for the SEC tournament. Again, two top 20 matchups. This is something good here as we head into the postseason to keep that consistency.
1: Yeah, the, their bats have been hot, one through nine. I mean, everybody can step up. And, you know, I we know we talk about Braxton Burnside because, of course, she's, you know, she hit her nation-tying 23rd home run. She's tied with the girl from OU. But Daniel Gibson has really stepped up. She was going through some – uh concussion protocol stuff, come back, Kayla Green, Lenny Malkin. I mean, all these girls have really, you know, stepped it up. But I want to mention another one that we haven't really talked about this year, and that's Jenna Bloom, the the third pitcher in that rotation between Autumn Storms and Mary Hap. And I'm telling you, she's really stepped up her game, you know, coming in and getting some starts. And usually she was a middle reliever, closer. She would pitch in that Sunday game, that last game of the series. But, man – I'm telling you what, Kyle, if you got three solid pitchers you know you can count on, that's a good thing to have come tournament time because UCA gave them all they could handle last night, and, and UCA is a scrappy team, and they were rocking half. And, you know, so it, it stinks that, you know, they just were in a funk, fog last night, but you know, UCA played them tough. And you can't really stretch out your pitching staff too thin because, you know, you've got a big matchup with Missouri coming up. And it's on senior day and all that stuff. So, I'm very impressed with the girls. I mean, 16-2 and two in conference. Who would have thought that? I mean, I made the argument. And I want to thank Phil Elson for mentioning on the radio that, you know, we kind of started the whole chant with the Courtney Difel Coach of the Year. I, I think she's a lock I want her to be a lock for SEC Coach of the Year. I know it might be hard to be uh, to beat the OU coach. I mean, they lost their first game to Georgia. How ironic that Arkansas just swept them at Georgia, you know, last weekend, and then Georgia turns around and beats the previous unbeaten OU.
2: I'll so, t-
1: yeah, it, go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say, yeah. There's the, the SEC is going to find a way to somehow screw this up with Burnside not getting sec player of the year i just feel like they're gonna both both her and difel deserve uh, of the year at their respective place. so coach and player but i i feel like maybe one of them might get it but definitely not both but there's just no question that i don't i don't think that there's anybody else that is even really close to deserving not that uh, not that there hasn't been other successful coaches and players but just as we talk about so much considering where this program has been to where they are now and the things that they are doing they have done this consistently they've They've only lost one series, but they've swept the rest of them. I just don't know how – I don't know how Difel really isn't – because OU's coach – I can't remember her name. It slips my mind. But she's been there for like 25 years, has been phenomenal. So they're used to that.
1: And they play the College World Series in Oklahoma City. In Oklahoma
2: City. City. And so just Difel has brought this program from the ground up. We say that a lot too. Talk about her – and what she has done with that two that two and forty six record, you just cannot repeat that enough from from there to now. And so, uh, a lot of good stuff to look forward to. You know, again, that's that's going to be a, a good matchup as you know, Braxton's going to be really pumped up to play the Missouri Tigers. Those games are Saturday at one o'clock, Sunday at three o'clock. And Monday at 6 p.m., the Sunday and Monday games you can catch on SEC Network, and then you can stream the Saturday night game on SEC Network+. Plus. And finally, I want to give a shout-out to the Razorback hockey team. Made it all the way to the national championship game on Tuesday yeah, Tuesday night, and they fell 3 to nothing to Hope, their first loss of the year. What a great season. It was a lot of fun watching them. I did, was able to stream a couple of their games. On YouTube, and we had their coach Keller, their head coach Keller Sims, on back in October to kind of get some insight into the program, what it's about, being different than other programs on campus because they're not recognized by the NCAA, and just kind of how all that stuff works. And if all goes to plan, he will be joining us on Monday's show. Excited to welcome him back to talk about the season. And so, um, yeah, big shout out to the Razorback hockey team and on an yeah. incredible season.
1: Well, and they they captivated the state. I mean, I, I was trying to follow along as much as I could in the National Championship game. You know, Musk tweeted out a picture with his jersey with his name on it. And that's awesome that, you know, they're not recognized by the NCAA. They're this club team that plays their games in the Jones Center. And for them to really be that successful, they only had one D3 loss all season. And that was in the National Championship game to Hope. uh, I think it was Hope College out of Holland, Michigan. So, and then they got to win over Michigan University. So when you're thinking of hockey term, just a generic fan, would you have ever thought Arkansas could beat a team like Michigan in hockey? So it was really cool. Very proud of Keller and his team. And I just, this is what they need. And I know there was a calling for Hunter to build a Marink on campus. So we'll see where that goes.
2: Yeah, there was definitely a lot more fans that you, I mean, like during the, the run where they were on the way to the national championship, especially those were getting like hundreds and hundreds of shares, their Facebook pages, their social media pages, especially Twitter, really took off this year and so uh just incredible amounts of support uh, for the for the teams we make sure and try to at least say that with the amount of support that all these sports teams have gotten we try to repeat that every single show and so well, we're up against a breakup next kevin will talk with gamecockcentral.com's colin taylor don't go anywhere you're listening to the hog talk podcast part of the believe and hit that line podcast network American National, you got a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com, call us at 501-428-0877, or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. The Hawk Talk podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinman Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336.
3: Welcome back to episode 186 of the Hog Talk podcast. We are now joined by Colin Taylor, the do-it-all writer for Gamecock Central, part of the Rivals Network. Colin, welcome.
4: How you all doing? It's a, an honor to be here, and like I said, talking some good baseball is never a bad thing.
3: Yeah, it seems like every week in the SEC, it's always good baseball. It's top 10 matchups every week. South Carolina, Arkansas this weekend at Founders Park starting on Thursday, 6 o'clock, SEC Network possibility for rain this weekend. Colin, what did, have what did the officials in South Carolina said about that?
4: Yeah, so they've talked about doing a double header on Friday. Uh, times are not obviously released yet, but um, South Carolina put out a statement yesterday saying that any decisions on scheduling, because uh, the spring game's also this weekend, so any decision on scheduling will come down Thursday afternoon. So uh, before first pitch of Game one, we should know what the plan is going to be for Friday and the rest of the weekend.
3: Excellent. Now, they also made another announcement that Founders Park is going to allow a few more fans this weekend. What kind of crowd can the Razorback faithful expect? It's um, it's going to be a raucous one. It's not going to be 8,242
4: like it probably would be in a normal year for a series like this, but um, they've had about a crowd of 2,000 for their first couple games at home this year I think they played 18 at home and it's been raucous and it's been energetic and lively so um, with it being over I think 3,300 now I think 3,300 and some change it's going to be even more so and um, the students have been out in full force the fans have been out in full force and uh, if you give South Carolina fans a, a chance to cheer for something they're going to so um, it's not going to be like old Miss or Mississippi State where there's 15,000 fans, it seems like, in the stands. It's gonna <laughs> yeah. Be, <laughs> it's going to be a loud atmosphere and, and something that I think South it'll benefit South Carolina more than I think it'll affect Arkansas just because I think South Carolina feeds off the energy a little bit better at home than maybe they do on the road.
3: Yeah, it seems to like that, uh, according to their records, they're 16-2 and two at home. They're 500 away from Founders Park. This is a team that plays really well at home. Of course, you saw that last weekend with, with LSU – um talk a little bit about this team I know you know looking from statistics and looking from some film on them this is a really good pitching staff against a really good offense this weekend talk about that yeah I mean I've
4: I've joked before on some zoom calls and talking with some of the media buddies it's like a unstoppable force meets an immovable object um because South Carolina's pitching staff has been one of the best in the SEC all year and Arkansas's offense is probably the best in the in the nation right now so um, South Carolina's paced by its pitching. Thomas Farr is a real Friday night guy with a really good fastball at 96. Um, a really good breaking ball. He's not getting the swings and misses. He struggled a little bit the last couple weekends. Uh, but they're back two guys in the rotation. Brandon Jordan and Will Sanders have been fantastic. Will Sanders is, um, freshman all American level right now, uh, up to 95 on his fastball with the splitter. And they have three or four guys out of the bullpen that can give you some really good stuff. Um, It's a pitching staff with a lot, a lot of velocity. Um, I think most guys they tried out there are going to be 93 to 95, some 96, 97, and and all of them locate well. They throw strikes and have good breaking stuff. So um, it's going to be a challenge for them facing Arkansas's hitting, but it's also going to be a challenge, I think, for Arkansas, because I don't know if they're going to face as deep a pitching staff as they faced against South Carolina this season.
3: Yeah, and that, that's what I wanted to talk about. So the last two weekends, Arkansas has ended up having to play double headers on Saturday. They play. They did it um, this past weekend against Texas A&M. Weekend previous to that against Ole Miss, and you could kind of see on that second day, Arkansas had a little bit more of an advantage in the depth department, pitching staff. I th- and and I agree with you on this. What will a double header on on Friday? How will this affect South Carolina's pitching staff?
4: I think it's a benefit for South Carolina just because they have so many guys they can trot out there. I mean, they can throw Andy Peters has been one of their better bullpen guys. Um, They have Brett Carey, who's their closer, Julian Bosnick, who's been a starter that they can throw out there. Um, South Carolina didn't have a midweek this week. So their midweek starter, Jack Mahoney could be available out of the bullpen. If they need him to, he's done that before he's, again 94-95 with a really good change up and slider so um, I think the pitching debt and that doesn't include some of the freshmen and some of the other guys that have contributed at times this year as well so um, I think South Carolina benefits from a doubleheader just because they do have as deep a pitching staff as I can remember them having um, but it's just a matter of how much you can get out of Thomas Farr on Thursday night because if you tax a bullpen on a Thursday you don't have the same kind of availability on friday if you're playing 18 innings so uh, far hasn't gone deep in his last couple starts and they're going to need him to pitch a really good game thursday night and get into the sixth or seventh that way they don't have to really stretch the bullpen at the beginning of a series
3: yeah we we arkansas really run into that problem lately it's, it's kind of been that the old Tampa tampa bay rays approach mm-hmm. you got it you've named a starter but they've been getting three four innings last weekend was good. Wicklander and Paulette did their job. They went five, six innings apiece. But we, we're we TBA Sunday or Saturday right now, the third game of the series. Uh, it might be Patrick Wicklander. It may just be, you know, whoever Coach Van Horn and Coach Hobbs thinks can go out there and give them a chance. But we want to talk about Brandon Jordan real quick. Teams are only batting 145 against him. He's got 72 strikeouts and 45 innings. He's walked a few guys, 29 walks to go along with that. But it just seems like the guy just has some electric stuff.
4: Yeah, and it's it's really funny that you look at his velocity and he's 92, 93. Uh, he operates really 91, 92, uh, but he locates well. And everything that he throws moves. So nothing – it's hard to really barrel him up. Um, I mean, and, and the, the average against shows. So he's been very good at locating. He's been very good at getting swings and misses and striking guys out. Like you said, the biggest issue with him is walks. Um, When he doesn't walk guys, he's one of the best pitchers in the SEC. And maybe there's South Carolina's best pitcher because he works efficiently. He gets outs and he can go deep in games. Um, You're looking at his stats. I mean, his best outings a Florida and Georgia, and then kind of against Missouri. I mean, Florida and Georgia, he combined for four walks and I think 13 and two-thirds innings. So when he doesn't walk guys and he's pounding the zone, then he's a really tough guy to hit because you just, you can't barrel him up the way consistently to where you can string together hits against him. And um, he's had a propensity to kind of give up the long ball at times. Um, But for the most part, he's very hard to barrel up. And it's hard to get, you know, three or four hits off of him in an inning.
3: Yeah, and just to give some Rangerback fans a little bit of perspective, this South Carolina pitching staff as a whole has struck out over 400 batters. They've only walked 128, so that's a really good strikeout-to-walk ratio. It's going to be – it's like you said, the immovable object meets the irresistible force, so to speak. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about this lineup. Of course, the the young man that caught headlines early on for his his hot start was Wes Clark. He's kind of cooled off a little bit. Still has 15 home runs, 35 RBIs, hitting hitting 280 right now compared to 600 like it was at the beginning of the season. But talk about this lineup as a whole—they're hitting 268 as a team. What can we expect from this lineup? Power. This is power. a pow- yeah
4: a power heavy offense. Um, they've hit 52 home runs. I know it's not 70 like Arkansas, <laughs> but. Um, still a lot yeah yeah no it's and it's it's going to be a power show this weekend if the pitching doesn't do its job but um yeah what you know it's it's power happy they don't get on base as high as they would would like um mark kingston kind of talked about that in his availability yesterday that um they're getting on base at 367 clip right now which is just it's not good enough uh for them but they get hit by pitches a lot they try to scrap and claw and and get guys on and then hit home runs and double so you're gonna find an offense that's going to try to make you pay if you're a pitching staff a lot of guys have multi-home run games I mean their leadoff guy Brady Allen has nine home runs on the year so this is a very very heavy power offense and guys that once when they get going it's kind of hard to stop but they need early offense and early momentum to do that. Um, They've struggled on series openers this year. Uh, They strike out a little too much in series openers and um, going up against the team's number one. But, you know, they're 9-1 and in game twos and game threes in SEC play. So um, they have a way to kind of scrap and claw and stay in games. And offensively, they can put it together at times to where they're really, really hard to beat.
3: Yeah, you talk about Brady Allen. He's leading the team with a three oh nine average. I, and I got to watch a little bit of him, you know, over the past few weeks. I really like his approach at the plate. He seems to be that tone setter for how it's going to go. And you you don't find many leadoff hitters who have nine bombs, thirty RBIs, and over a six hundred slugging percentage on the leadoff spot. Yeah, it's that kind of new wave
4: MLB style of doing things where you you get a guy with who can get on base at a pretty high clip he's over 400 on with on base percentage but can also make you pay if you make a mistake and um, he's that kind of guy he oddly enough was Mark Kingston's first commitment at South Carolina when he took the job Um, he was committed at South Florida and then came to South Carolina so um, he's a guy that has struggled at times in his career but stayed the course and he's gotten a lot better and he's turned into a really good leadoff hitter for South Carolina and um, he's playing center field too which is not maybe his natural position but he's done well out there and, and made some pretty good highlight grabs but when he's going and he gives you a spark at the at the leadoff spot which he's done for most of the year um, the offense tends to follow after that and um, it helps when he's hitting home runs and, and giving guys driving in guys because the bottom of the order has actually been pretty solid in sec play um, when he gets rbi chances he's pretty good at you know delivering and um giving South Carolina some run support
3: I'd say so it's like you know lineups have changed over the past few years you used to have that really speedy guy that was good at drawing walks in the one hole two hole was that guy that could handle the bat wasn't really a power threat three was your best here four was your power guy now it just seems like okay one you want run support quick in a game so it could be that home run guy two is now really kind of your best hitter, three RBI guy, four, and, and on down the line. So it ta- it kind of takes me back. And South Carolina and Arkansas are always going to be connected in one way. They came into the SEC at the same time, but just some of the big mashers that South Carolina had back in the in the two thousands when they were making the run to Omaha every year, and they were the best team in the SEC. Is are we starting to see a little bit of nostalgia come up in, in Columbia right now that this team can, it brings back memories of some of those good teams from the two thousands? Oh yeah. Um, absolutely. And the power that's on
4: display now, they're playing in founders park and that's not Sarge for eyewear. there's that jet yeah. stream going into left field. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> right. Um, there's yeah. So it's not the same park, but yeah, it's the oddly enough, one of the assistants on those early two thousands teams, um, 02 and i think 02 and then 2000s where they were going to supers is actually one of their hitting coaches so um kind of comes full circle that he's helping this year's team he was on some of those really good teams in the early, early 2000s but yeah this is when mark kingston took the job he knew south carolina's history was all about good pitching and power and he's kind of trying to revitalize that and you're starting to see them inch closer to it and um, a team slug slugging 471 with you know 52 home runs and you know 68 doubles that's a team that is kind of reminiscent of those early 2000s teams and you know I'm not comparing this team necessarily to the two national title contenders that won in 2010 and 2011 but this is a team that's just found ways to win I mean they've scrapped and clawed and I mean you look at you know against LSU they were down two nothing in the seventh of a seven inning game and scored four runs and They walked off Clemson twice um, to beat them this year. So this is a team that just kind of finds ways to win and finds ways to just stay alive, and uh, it's contributed to them being sixteen and two at home and ten and five and one game back in the SEC this year.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this series. And as the the resident baseball guy for the podcast, this series kind of worries me a little bit. I think Arkansas has been playing with fire a lot this year i know that we've developed the reputation of we're never out of a game uh and i think though i think south carolina kind of has that same reputation that you know no matter who delivers the first you know big punch of the of the of the game or of the series that it's not going to be over and this thing could go down to the wire oh
4: absolutely i mean south Carolina's has done it time in and time out where they've gone down early and fought back. They've done it a lot in SEC play. And, um, you know, the the old mantra at South Carolina was always um, win anyway. And this is a team that's really kind of embraced, <laughs> embraced it. And, I mean, they've had a couple walk-off wins. They've had some really clutch at-bats from some really veteran guys. And it's a good mix. I mean, in the SEC, you don't win with freshman hitters. Um, you can win with freshman pitchers. Uh, but – They have a good mix of youth and veterans in their lineup. I mean, your top four, you know, top three guys are, you know, junior, junior, freshman. um, And then I guess the Corona junior, however you want to determine that. And then a first year guy. Yeah. Um, But it's going to, you know, they have a good mix and it's just a guy, it's a lineup and a pitching staff that continues to fight and they just find way it's been amazing to watch just because it's so much fun to watch these guys scrap and claw and yeah it's been a lot of fun to just see which how how games go because you know two nothing in the seventh inning against lsu and all of a sudden it's four two and they're winning the game and and crushing them in game three
3: (laughs) yeah and you know i know you got a really busy weekend with south carolina spring game scheduled for saturday baseball we experienced that last weekend like we talked about off air but Colin I greatly appreciate you coming on Uh, this series to be one that we we talk about for a little while and that will go a long way towards determining who wins the SEC East and who wins the SEC West but thanks for coming on bud Yeah,
4: I appreciate it and I'm looking forward to hopefully some 27 innings of some great uh, great baseball
3: Amen brother Hog fans make sure you like, rate, review help us get our name out there Uh, this has been Kevin Bohannon for Colin Taylor we'll see you next time